Thank you, Jesus. Highest praises belong to you this morning, Lord. It's the reason for our gathering. It's the reason we're here is to lift up that name that is above every other name. The name is Jesus. You alone are worthy of our praise. Lord, as we reflect this morning upon the sacrifice of the cross, and Lord, what it's meant for every one of us who's gathered here today, you alone are worthy of our praise. We thank you, God, for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, who would pay the price, the ultimate price, the sin that was in our lives, the mess that was in our lives. So today we could stand worthy to praise that name that is above every other name. We worship you alongside previous generations, but we stand in our generation right now and we declare the name of Jesus to be praised over everything else. Lord, we determine in our hearts that the generations that would follow on from us would also go on to worship God with all their hearts. In Jesus' name. Praise you this morning, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can grab a seat this morning. Is it good to gather and worship God? Are you blessed already? Is you ready to go home then? Not yet. Awesome. Someone said yes, didn't they? I know it. Someone said, yeah, I'm ready to go. Just got to wait a bit longer. Hey, well, this morning, it's my privilege to share with you really what I feel God has placed in my heart. At the end of last year, I felt God place a sense or a word in my heart for this year for us as a church or for us as God's people. And this morning is the morning that I want to kind of share that with you. And my prayer really as I, as I stand here is that you would capture the sense of what God wants to say because I recognize the moment I say, I stand here with a word from God, I feel the weight of responsibility of that as if I've heard directly from God. What I'm going to share with you this morning is a sense of what I feel God is saying to us this year. And as you know, when God speaks and with vision, it unfolds as we go. But I want to kind of give you what I feel God said. And as I reflected on what we're wanting to accomplish this year as a church and as a gathering of God's people. I was in an attitude of prayer, which is a good place for me to be in. And I was considering the idea that we were going to plant this campus in Lincoln. And on September the 9th this year, we will launch Life Church Selwyn, which is really exciting. Is anyone else excited about that? Good, you're all going. That's great. I was reflecting and praying and reminding God, if I had these kind of prayers, that God, it's up to you to make this work. Like, God, this is a really big deal. You know that, right? You you need to kind of come through in this whole thing of planting a campus. It's a good place to pray. I'm sure you've all prayed prayers like that. As we got started on the vision of this campus, the heart of it was to reach more people with the truth of who Jesus is. More locations further our reach. And it's part of fulfilling the mandate of God through the Great Commission. A Sunday gathering is the gathered church. That's, that's incredibly insightful, isn't it? It's designed to equip the saints for when they are the scattered church. In other words, Monday through Saturday, when you're out doing what you do, you're the scattered church. I believe with all my heart the church, both gathered and scattered, 
is to, exp- is to express the desire or had to have a desire to show people the truth of who Jesus is. Have I said that clearly? If you, if I kind of messed that up. But our heart is that people would come to know Jesus, both gathered church and scattered church, correct? The gathered church shines its light in a community. And I love this. As we gather, we lift up the name of Jesus in worship. And I believe that changes the atmosphere, not only in this room, but in our community and our city. That we shine our light together in faith. We declare that Jesus would be lifted up in our city and in our nation. Do you believe that as well? But the scattered church shines its light throughout every community, business, home, and gathering of people. Does that get you excited? Because it wasn't designed to be contained in an auditorium like this. Just the light of Christ to shine only when we got together here. The design is that wherever we go, we would shine our light. So these were kind of my musings and ponderings. And the excitement in my heart began to build. At the same time, though, I knew there would be challenges along the way. As I said last year, that's why we need a word from God to be obedient to, not just a good idea to follow. A good idea to follow won't sustain us when it becomes a challenge, but a word from God to be obedient to, that will sustain us even if we have challenges along the way. So this year I knew we were going to call our people, that's you guys, to finance this plant. We'd be asking our people to go, or some of our people, you can't all go, but some of our people, to go and be part of making it happen. We'd be asking everyone to pray for the success of the vision that God has given us collectively as a church. Knowing it's us, the gathered church, that is who God is going to use to make this plant a success. So my question to God was, well, God, we're really relying on you to come through. And that was kind of the attitude of prayer I had. But as I began to pray, I thought, but God, what's really truly our part in all of this? Because we need you to move, but what do you need from us? What's it going to take for us to keep seeing the kingdom of God advance through our gathered church and the kingdom of God advance through our individual lives wherever we go? That's a good question to ask God. What do you want from us? Is it, is it just our money that you need, God? Is it just money from people? What is it, God, that you genuinely need from us to ensure that the kingdom of God will advance in 2018? I felt God impress on my heart, your part is to simply respond to me. Respond to me. In other words, be a people who are responsive to God. Let me say it this way. My desire in 2018 is not only to go to God when I need a breakthrough. It's not only to go to God when I need a miracle. My desire, having come out of what I feel God has put in my heart, is that I will pursue God with all of my life, all of the time. See, if it's just a bless me now because I need a breakthrough, it becomes a bless me attitude. But let's be a people who actively pursue God with all our hearts. In the world we live in, it can be easy, very easy to go through the motions of church and faith. We can get caught up in doing the routine of church and the routine of following God and kind of just get into the, I know what this is all about. But I believe this year we really need to push into him 
more than when we just need something from him. In other words, God, I need a miracle or a healing or a financial help. God, help my marriage or my business or my teenager. Now, there's nothing wrong with going to God for things because God cares. He really does. Have you got that? God cares about what's going on in your heart. But I feel like God is looking for people who will respond to his will, respond to his heart, respond to what God wants, not just what we want. Respond to the desire that God has to reach this world. The will of God that none should perish. I felt God really impressed that on my heart. Hey, be a people who respond to my mission and my plan for the world, not just a people who respond to me when they need something from me. People who respond to God and the things that matter to Him. See, we never want to be a people who feel like we've seen it all or know it all. I know how church works. I know what worship is. I know at some point in the service they'll ask me to give some money, a tithe. I, I kind of know the whole thing. I've seen it all. I know what to expect from it. We never want to have the attitude like that. We always want to have an attitude and an air of expectation that God might turn up and do something that I've never seen him do in my life before. Because that complacency is just going through the motions. I never want to have an attitude that I've seen it all because I know that I haven't. We want to be a people who simply say yes to everything that God has for us. The greatest thing you can give God this year as a son or a daughter is your yes. Yes, Lord, I'm up for whatever you have for me this year. Yes, I will be obedient to whatever you ask of me. That's a big prayer. Yes, even if it means sacrifice or difficulties along the way, God, you have my yes in 2018. And I challenge you this morning, give God a yes without any attachment. Give God a simple yes, God, to whatever you want. In other words, we often attach things to our yes. Yes, but when I get my degree. Or yes, when I get past my addiction. Or yes, when I can afford it. Or yes, when I have more time. Or yes, maybe when I'm married, God, I'll step out and do that. Or yes, if you sort this out for me first, God, then I'll be in a position to do something for you. If you ever know what that kind of yes is like, if you ever had a yes that has an attachment to it. God's not looking for the attachment. He's just looking for the yes. Yes, regardless. Yes, no matter what. God, I will follow you and I will serve you and I will pursue you and I will respond to you. So God is looking for your yes. He's looking for a heart of response. A heart that says to God, I'm not just part of a Christian community, but I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm responsive and willing to give my yes without reserve because I've truly given control of my life to him. Did you catch that this morning? I'm not just part of a Christian community, but I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm willing to serve him and I've given him control of my life. So my yes has no attachment to it. A responsive yes is a life that is more interested in what I can give than what I can get. This year, 2018, 
God is looking for a people who will respond to him with a yes, without excuse. I felt in my heart this phrase for us. Life Church, respond to my heart that the world would get the chance to know my son. Life Church, respond to my heart. The world would get a chance to know my son. It's why we have different ministries. It's why we have different things that come out of the life of the church. It's so that people may get the chance to know his son. It's why your light shining in the community matters so greatly is that people might get the chance to know his son. That's the heart of God. None would perish. All would come into relationship with him through knowing Jesus Christ. That's his desire. And I feel God challenging us with that. Respond to his heart and his commission to his church. Respond to his leading in your life. Be obedient this year. Respond to his love. Respond in service. Respond in worship. And over the coming weeks, we'll probably look at some of these things. But this morning, I just want to turn to God's word in James chapter 4. We're going to read through from verse 8 to verse 10. It says this, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. The surface of the scripture, it seems an unusual one for our topic of respond. Well, you can see respond in verse 8, can't you? Come near to God, he will come near to you. It's pretty clear in that verse. But let me just give you a context into what James writes this passage. It's believed that James is writing this to the believers who have scattered from Jerusalem during the persecution that followed on from Stephen's death. These Jewish Christians now no longer had direct contact with the apostles. And so here we see James begins to write this letter. And he's writing it to them. They're likely outside of Palestine, likely Syria or Babylon or the surrounding area, even into Asia Minor, it is believed they've scattered. And it's an interesting note, though, that even though they are scattered believers, they set up synagogues wherever they ended up. And the gospel would spread because of the persecution that they faced. But James was no longer with them to give them direct oral instruction or oral encouragement. He was no longer directly in contact with them. So he writes this letter. It would seem that difficulty and persecution we're still facing them, even though they've run and even though they've scattered, and somehow their response to that persecution was not the best. They had ungodly, rich people oppressing them. And the religion of some was becoming a superficial formality. Isn't that a danger? That it can become a superficial formality? That God never wants our faith to be a formality or especially a superficial one. They were revealing a lack of love for God and each other through discrimination. In other words, they were no longer inclusive, but exclusive. There's a challenge in there. There was a bitterness in their speech. Bad attitudes was corrupting their fellowship. Isn't that interesting? You see, when God's mission begins to be unfolded and God's people begin to spread the gospel, it's like the devil comes and he tries to disrupt what God is doing. And a way that he does that is he begins to cause people to have a bad attitude with each other and talk badly 
of one another and begin to breed disunity among God's people. And reports of this had reached James. And so Pastor James writes, and we pick it up in chapter 4. I want to teach from verse 10 first. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Pride had begun to corrupt the faith life of the believers. And James knows that humility is an essential part of a believer's life. Humility is a theme throughout Scripture. You can see it all throughout the Word of God. You want to know a life of blessing from God? You want to attract the presence of God into your life? Walk in humility. In fact, Jesus himself addresses this in Matthew 23, verse 12. Jesus puts it like this, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So much of this idea of humility goes against the culture that we live in today. But it did at the time that James was writing this passage as well. You see, it's only when I recognize my shortcomings and ability do I ask God for guidance. It's only when I realize my own weaknesses will I then call upon the strength of God. It's only when I realize that I cannot cope with life by myself that I will kneel before the Lord desperate for his help. It's when I acknowledge my sin do I realize my need of a savior and forgiveness of God. When I walk in pride, I don't recognize my need for God in areas of my life. When I walk in humility, I realize I need God in every part of my life. I need his presence in my day-to-day. I need God to be part of my business life and my work life as much as I do my church life. I need God to be in my marriage. I need God to be in my sports and what I'm, my hobbies and my activities. I need the presence of God. I need him with me. Pride will block that, but humility allows the presence of God. Uh, humility responds to God. Humility acknowledges the need for him. See, pride blocks me from looking to God and starves my responsive heart. Instead of looking to God for what I truly need, I look to external things. So James deals with pride. You see, a genuine responsive heart is someone who can humble themselves and fully embrace their need for God's presence and authority in every part of their life. And this is what I really feel for us even this year, is I don't want God to be Sunday only. I don't want to take and make Sunday the only day that God is allowed to move in my heart or speak to me. I want to be responsive to God every single day of the week. I want to walk in humility, aware of my need for Him. Understanding I don't have all of the answers. I can't fulfill every need that I have. Pride says, I can take care of that. I can do that. I don't need God in this. I can take care of that. Humility says, I desperately need God in every part of my life. Not only in the hard stuff, but in the blessings. Not only when business is hard, but also when it's flourishing. I still need the presence of God in my life. In verse 8 and 9, James is addressing the need for God's people to draw back to him. To again set their hearts on God. See, they'd begun to set their hearts on the pleasures of the world. And in doing so, had subtly begun to drift away from God. 
They'd scattered and there was wealth around and they'd begun to set their hearts on some of the pleasures that the world could offer them and it subtly drew them away from God. And James seems to address this issue harshly, but directly. He says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve your, in other words, grieve your behavior. Mourn in grief of what you have done and give expression to the grief through wailing. When you've pursued worldly pleasure that has given you laughter and joy, turn to mourning and gloom. In other words, posture yourself for repentance. This is James' call to overcome your pride and recognize your need for God. In other words, repent for the lifestyle that has led you away from God. Repentance is a turning around or a turning from that which has led me away from God and a turning to God. That's repentance. Turn away from the lifestyle that's taking you away from God. Walk in humility and recognize your need for Him. Come near to God. As you do that, He will come near to you and the end result is it will be Him that lifts you up. Turn to God. See, it's a call from James to come to God. In other words, you make the first move. Humility and repentance. You make the first move. You come to God. You move toward him. It's the responsive heart of every believer that causes us to turn to God time and time again. It's the recognition and humility of our need for God that causes us to be responsive to him. As I was praying into this message, my prayer was that again, we'd just have it refreshed in our hearts, our need for him. In every part of your life, God wants to be in play. It's that humility, that recognition that we need God and that God wants us, that empowers us to say yes to God without reservation or without any add-ons. When we come near to God, the result of that is we get God's heart. And then we begin to respond to God's passions. We begin to live for what really matters to him. Let's have a look at Matthew 6, 25 to 33. It's possibly a passage you know really well. It says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Notice God knows the needs that you have in every part of your life. God knows what you desperately need and desperately want. And then verse 33, which is our key. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is setting for us our priorities and what truly matters for us 
in our journey of faith. We seek first his kingdom and righteousness. That's really important. Many here today feel like, well, I'm not really fit for the service in the kingdom of God. I kind of hear you saying, seek first his kingdom. And, you know, if you knew the sin in my life, hey, if you knew the sin in my life, well, if you knew the brokenness that I was, hey, if you knew the brokenness in my life, if you knew the insecurity, hey, hey, if you knew the insecurity that I face every day, hey, if you knew my doubt, hey, if you knew my doubts that I have, if you knew how cynical I was, well, you've got that one on your own. That's not my one. If you knew how cynical I was, you'd understand I don't feel fit to serve us in the kingdom of God. And the list can go on and on. And we could name many things that sort of say, well, I can't really seek first his kingdom and I can't really be part of the mission of God because if you only knew what I was facing in my life. But if that is a reason for why we cannot chase after God or be part of God's mission and the extension of his kingdom, we're all disqualified. And we might as well pack up right now and go home. But the beautiful revelation of God's grace is that we find favor with God and right standing with him, not through what we can do to earn it, but through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Now we are all qualified. God doesn't disqualify us. We do that. God qualifies us through his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us upon the cross. When we accept the righteousness that comes from Christ, even in the midst of our mess, even in the midst of your brokenness, your doubt, your sin, your cynicism, everything else that's going on, if we'll accept his righteousness, seek first his kingdom, we can pursue him and respond to him with total freedom because of the work of Jesus, not because of our own effort. Even in your brokenness, even in your mess, even with what you're facing, you can seek first his kingdom and righteousness. You get that bit right? His righteousness. And you're willing and able to freely pursue God even in the midst of it. That is a great blessing. But I believe the enemy, the devil, works very hard at telling Christians that they're not good enough. They're disqualified. Do you know why I know that? Because that's the voice that I sometimes hear. You're not good enough. You don't qualify. And the devil's done a good job on believers of telling them that they're not worthy, that you're not good enough, that you're not able. And they're discounted. His whole desire is to shut down your responsiveness to God. His plan is if he can make you feel bad enough, unworthy enough, disqualified enough, he will numb your responsiveness to God. And in the end, he will render you ineffective. His whole desire is that you would know your faults, fears, and failures. Slow you down. Shrink you back. But you know what? I've found with the enemy is that I can flip the script on him. I can reverse that and I can render him ineffective. By even in the midst of what I'm going through and what I face, if I pursue God and his righteousness... I disempower the enemy. He doesn't get the foothold any longer in my life because he knows that guy is going to pursue God regardless of his brokenness or his mess. Well, I thought that was good. 
He wants you to look for joy and laughter outside of a relationship with God. He's trying to draw you away from being responsive to God. To fulfill your own needs. To rely on yourself. But we were never designed for that. And this is what James is addressing in this passage. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Repent for the wrong lifestyle you've chosen that is drawing you away from God. Humble yourselves and he will lift you up. In other words, he will be the stabilizer of your life. Do you know what I love about come near to God? Is that God can't help but respond to hungry people. People who desire him. You want to attract the presence of God in your life? Go after him. Chase after him. Chase after him. Every time you get an opportunity, go after God. It attracts the presence of God into your life. And I've learned something. That even when you lack ability, even when you don't feel good enough, if you have the presence of God, guess what? You can do almost anything with the presence of God. So pursue God. Pursue God. Worship team, can you come back and join me this morning? I'm not finished. Just hang in. Some of you got excited because I asked the worship team to come back. Thought we were nearly finished. We are nearly finished. So I feel strongly for us, 2018, to see God's kingdom advance, we, his people need to be responsive to him and to the things that matter to his heart. We will succeed, I believe that, in the vision that God has given us if we chase after him with all our hearts. For you to break through and have the kind of marriage that you desire, business you desire, family life you desire, peace that you need in your life, God is asking for you to respond to him. In a room this size this morning, there'll be people who are worrying about many things. Some of you will be worried about what's going on in your business world or your job. For some of us, it'll be what's happening in my marriage, what am I facing at the moment, or what's happening with my teenager giving me great concern. There'll be many different needs and many different worries here this morning. We'll all carry different things that cause us stress. What God is looking for from every one of us this morning is a responsive heart. A humility and a recognition that we need Him, that we need His presence. 2018, that we would pursue Him with all our hearts. And I know that the campus plant will succeed, but I also know that you'll begin to succeed in your marriage, your business, when you pursue God with all your heart because you attract His presence into your situation. And when God is there, everything changes. The challenge this year is to say yes to him, to give God your yes in 2018. You probably got to do this on a weekly basis. Certainly got to do it every year. Yes, God, I will respond to your mission. Yes, God, I'll respond to your calling on my life. Yes, God, I'll respond to your love this year. I will respond in worship. I will respond in prayer and for prayer. So I'll pray through things, God. I will come to you this year in prayer, but I will also respond for prayer. In other words, I'd have faith this year to believe that there is people who will pray with me and come alongside me and believe with me for breakthrough. I'd have a responsive heart to pray and receive prayer. I'll say yes to you even if I feel unworthy because I know that my righteousness 
was purchased on the cross. In preparation, I feel there are people here this morning who just do feel unworthy. And you've heard about Jesus, you know what he's done on the cross, but somehow it's like the unworthiness has rested and sat upon your shoulders and you wear it like a burden. As you'd love to step out, you'd love to do something, but you think, boy, I've got too much going on in my life. Listen, that is the power of what Jesus did on the cross, that it wasn't down to how you feel or how you've behaved or what you've done to make you feel good enough. It was all about what He did. And every one of us in this auditorium, every person sitting near you has the same desperate need of Jesus Christ as you do. It's Him that makes us worthy in the first place. It's Him who qualifies us. So this morning, on your seat, there were two cards when you came in. Both say yes on them. There's no no on the back, by the way. It's just yes. Not giving you multiple choice. It's one choice. One is for you to keep, take away with you. The other is for you to do something with in a moment. In a moment, we're going to sing a song called Come to the Altar. I love this song because it talks about even in your brokenness or your sin, Father's arms are open wide. Do you know there isn't one of us in this room that doesn't need to be reminded of how much God the Father loves us? And I know He stands with His arms open wide, waiting for us to respond to Him. Come near to Him, and He will come near to you. Humble yourselves, He will lift you up. Turn toward God, even in the midst of what you're facing, even your brokenness, even your sin. Turn toward God because His arms are wide open. This morning we wanted to give you an opportunity to activate your yes with an action of faith. While we're singing this song, I want you to have the the faith to come out of your seat and to bring one of your yes cards to place it at the altar. It's just an action of faith. Say, God, this year I'm saying yes to everything you've got for me. I'm going to respond to you this year. The other one, put it in your wallet, take it, let it remind you, put it on the dashboard of your car, put it somewhere you'll see it. Remind you, I said yes to God this year. If you're here this morning and you really are still unsure about faith in God and church, let your yes simply be yes to journeying and discovering more about God, more about faith, more about church. Church, can we together this year have the courage to say yes to God no matter what circumstances come our way regardless of the hurts in the past or the disappointments of the present you know I battled with doing this today my mind said it was cheesy but my heart said yes it's good get people to step out and have an action to go with their faith as I waited on that thought I just felt in my spirit that This is where the flesh will battle so strongly with the spirit because the flesh doesn't want to do it. The flesh doesn't want to get out of the seat. The the will says, don't do that. That's embarrassing. But the spirit's saying, I so want to go. And I guess in that moment, my prayer for you is that your spirit would win, that your flesh wouldn't win out today. Because for some of us, we need that activity of faith. We need to say to God, God, I'm, I'm letting my yes count this year. And yes, we're 
looking to a vision as a collective church, but this is as much about the scattered church as anything. That you would be effective to let your light shine wherever you go. Because you said yes to Him. You said, yes, God, use my life this year. Yes, God, I want my life to count. So as the team leads us in the song, Come to the Altar, would you in your heart say yes to God again? And then would you come out, place your card somewhere? It's going to be probably a bit of chaos for a bit. It may be controlled chaos. It may not be. But don't be distracted by the hundreds of people. This is between you and God. This is you saying yes to Him. Can we sing this song as we do that? just invite you to stand. When you're ready, take a moment. When you're ready, just come. Place your yes. God bless.